Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. I'm reading today from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this idea as we continue this AD After Death series. I want to speak to you from this idea. Spiritual authority rooted in identity. Rooted in identity. Come on, would you pray with me? Um, Father, we pray today that it would be your words and not mine, Lord. I pray, Father, that I may decrease, Lord, and that you may increase. As I say every Sunday, Lord God, because I know that it is your word, Lord God, that has a transformative power, Lord. Um, I could just come up here and talk about what I prepared, but if not for your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, we're sitting here listening to a man recite some information that he learned. Um, but Father, I pray today that it would be your words that transform us, Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you for the men that are in the building, Lord God, the fathers, Lord God. We thank you for the mothers, Lord, that have stood in the place of a father, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, for the family unit. And Father, I thank you for you, Jesus. You have always been our father, our oldest friend, Lord God, the one that knew us before we were in our mother's womb, and you've walked with us through all of life. Today, help us to understand our identity and who we are, Lord Jesus, as your children. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord God. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus in his place? Oh, come on, greater church. Come on, let's make some noise for Jesus. Amen. The other day, I was online and, and I heard this story and I thought it was pretty, I thought it was pretty interesting. And I, I think it's a good kind of segue into what we're talking about here today. I heard this story about these fired fighter pilots and this Airbus. So there's this big plane that was traveling and I believe it was tra traveling through Europe. And so this big plane, the Airbus, the Airbus are the ones that you can fit hundreds of people inside. Sometimes they have two stories inside of them. Um, so you're able to walk up and down. I don't know if you guys have ever been inside one of those. I had a dream of one once. Then there's these, there's these fighter pilots that as this Airbus is in the air traveling, these fighter pilots come on the side of it. And as they come on the side of it, they're like, hey, you enjoying yourself up there in that big old jalopy? And they're talking to each other, you know, just going back and forth. And they're like, yeah, I'm having a great time. What about you guys? They're like, yeah, we're doing good. Hey, can you do this? Watch this. And the fighter pilots, all of a sudden at that moment, they break the sound barrier. Boom. And they go up in the air. Ooh, like I'll do all these tricks. They start spinning and then they free fall. And then they go all the way down, almost about 10 feet from the ocean. I mean, right there. And then they come up. The water splashes everywhere. I mean, it's just an incredible sight. And then they come back up. Boom. And then they just slowly ease right next to the Airbus. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> you like that? Can you, can you do that? And he's like, oh, oh, you, you're, you're challenging me? They're like, yeah, you're, you're having fun. Can you do what we just did? And he's like, oh, watch. Just give me a second. And he's these fighter pilots are next to the Airbus and they're just sitting there and nothing happens. They're like, dude, what? Just, okay. And a couple minutes go by. They're like, okay, what is, what is happening? About five minutes go by and five minutes go by. They're just sitting there and they're like, yo, what? what? Hello? Can you, are you there? And then finally, hey, hello. Hey, you guys there? Yeah. Where, where, where did you go? He's like, oh, I went downstairs. I got something to drink. I was able to make myself a sandwich. I actually was able to sit down with the stewardess for a little while and just make sure that they have my five-star hotel and then some amenities that I wanted to do when I get to the place that I did. I was able to say hello to a couple of people and hang out. I, I used the bathroom. That's none of your business. Um, sat down for a minute, and then I was able to come back here, and now I'm back in the cockpit. Can you do that? What happens is that what's funny is that our identities are unique to ourselves, right? And what happens is that for so many of us, for us to even understand what we've been talking about over the last few weeks, and for some of you, you you're on the journey. For some of us, we've been on the journey for a little while. Maybe this is your first time. You've been coming for the last couple of weeks, and you're just catching on to what we've been talking about, AD after death. Jesus has the death, burial, and the resurrection. Easter is long gone. 
but the Holy Spirit isn't. So what happened after Easter when he resurrected? Well, he sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is with us before we know Jesus, and then he lives inside of us when we accept Jesus. We've talked about what it, feel, what it means to be filled with the Spirit, and then John chapter 7, verse 38, where Jesus says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. What does it mean to be spilled? And so we've seen and we've talked about the nine different gifts that are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14, things that I believe and I showed in Scripture that are still available to believers for us to be able to walk in not to start your little 501c3 or sell your prayer clause for $3.99 on your website but for us to expand the kingdom that the gospel would be preached with proclamation and with declaration but also with demonstration and my wife last week talked about how do we do this so we've talked about the spirit we taught you first corinthians chapter 12 don't be ignorant we're trying to teach you how not to be ignorant agnaeo i don't understand it so i don't believe in it but for you to actually understand it and we've explained it for weeks and then my wife talked about okay what happened happens now that you do it well the first thing that you have to do and understand it is that it's activated by faith without faith it is impossible to please God faith is like wi-fi it's the only thing that connects to God if you read your bible but you don't believe in God that doesn't connect you to God if you fast but you don't believe in God you're going on a diet I mean, if you pray, but you don't believe in God, you're just saying words. Faith is that one thing that connects you to God. Now you can pray. Now you can fast. Now you can be able to worship because you're connected to him through faith. That's the only way. I don't care how much you do. There's not enough good that you can do for God to be able to say, I accept you, my son. No, no. The only way that he accepts you is through the blood of Jesus Christ. The gospel is that he would send his son into this world, live a sinless life. He would live the life that you couldn't live. He would die on a cross. And after he resurrected three days later, that right there. There, that death that he died that appeased God's wrath and now we have access to God it was through Jesus's work not because you're too good enough not because you gave tithing offering at church make sure y'all give y'all tithing offering you know what I'm saying not because you served that church it was because of the death burial the resurrection of his son Jesus and by faith we have to believe this when we believe that Jesus has given us access, we walk into, scripture says in Hebrews we have access to the throne room of God we can come boldly it's like daddy I know my father. I could walk in the house at dad's house. Yeah, some of y'all remember. And some of y'all probably had a grandma or maybe a mom or maybe even was somebody else's dad. For a lot of us, we didn't have the privilege of living with a father. But you know what it's like to be able to go into dad's house. And for some of us, when we moved out, coming back and being able to sit on the couch and feel like I'm safe, I'm home. You can go to sleep there and you're not worried about stuff. That's what it's like when we come to the Father, that we have access to him and it was activated by faith. So when it comes to spiritual gifts, when it comes to moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, when it comes to watching God move in and through you, it has to be activated by faith, but it has to be rooted in your identity. You have to understand who you are and who you are has been shaped by so many different things. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a quick little sentence, but there's, it carries so much meaning. Conformed, it means to be shaped. It means to be put together. It means that you're, you're placed and, and, and you're molded into what the world's patterns are. For a lot of us, our identity has been forged and it, it started at our most earliest and strongest pain and hurt. When we were kids, for some of us, we, we, we didn't know how to process things, so we started to protect ourselves. And so when things happen to you and they hurt you deeply, we have different mechanisms that we put up. And what happens is that our identity was forged around these mechanisms. So now when people talk to you, they're like, yeah, this person is so standoffish. No, they're not standoffish. It's that their dad said that he was going to do and he didn't do. It's that their mom said that they were going to do and they didn't do. It's that this person lied to them. This person hurt them. And what happens as kids, so that we don't feel that pain, we begin to put these walls up. You're not going to hurt me again. I always tell the story, and I, and I know you're probably tired of hearing it, of Chuck E. Cheese, right? Like when we were kids and our parents were like, hey, I'm going to take you to Chuck E. Cheese. The first time... Okay, I'm excited. You went crazy. Came home. I'm sorry, baby. I can't take you to Chuck E. Cheese. What? No, we can. We, if we go now, it's 8 o'clock. Baby, it closes at 8.30. At 30 minutes, that's all I need. I promise. 30 minutes. I don't. That, that's it. You know how your kids be. No, no, I promise. That, that's all I need. And you're like, oh, babe. Your parents are like, no, next week. And then next week comes and you're like, you, you take me to Chuck E. Cheese. We're going to Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, yeah, we're going to go to Chuck E. Cheese. And then when they come home from work, oh, I'm tired. I can't take. You promised. You, you said that you were going to take me to Chuck E. Cheese. Third week. I pro we're going to go to Chuck E. Cheese next week. Next week, uh, are you for real, though? This time for real. Yeah, we're going to go. Okay. I don't know, but whatever. The fourth time, I'm taking you to Chuck E. Cheese. No, you're not. That's not true. And you build, you build these walls up. And what happens is that 
when you're an adult, these walls that you build up, they start getting thicker and thicker. And the mechanisms start becoming more and more pronounced in your life. Because now when people talk to you, you think they're always lying to you. Now when you go to a job, you're like, this guy's going to fire me sooner or later. Now you sit around a table, and when you sit around a table with a bunch of individuals and you give your input, you stop talking, and then you sit there, and in your mind, you're like, yo, what an idiot, bro. Why did I say that? I always say the dumbest things. Did I even make sense? Because you created these mechanisms because you don't want to be rejected anymore. And what happens is that this begins to create our identity as adults. The same thing happens with us. I mean, as these kind of mechanisms go up, we start to do three different things. We start to deny, or I'm sorry, we start to hide these mechanisms. And it's like, no, I'm not really, I'm not really mad. I'm not really frustrated. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I like you, whatever, but at a distance. How many of y'all remember? We, we, we say that to people sometimes. I like them at a distance. Y'all have that weird cousin that you're like, I love them, but at a distance. You know what I'm saying? That uncle and that auntie that you're just like, vaya, this way. Like, you stay that way. And, and then there's times that we deny it, we hide it, but then there's times that we amplify it. And what that means is that there's people who have been abused and they become abusers. It changes their entire identity. They were never abusers, but now they're abusers. They watch as people do so many different things and they take what has been done to them and they begin to do it unto others. And you see murders, you see some of the most vile things that have happened in our nation, some of the most vile things that have happened even in your family, and it's a result of an abuse that they were never able to process. So what they did was they protect. I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me. That is not our identity because when we allow for the enemy, when we allow for the world, which the pride of life and the, the eyes of the flesh and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, when we allow for, I want that car, it changes who you are. Now you're all about money. Now you're money hungry. Now you're working way too late. And let me understand, let me explain something to you. I want to be careful with this, but I want to say it because God didn't call you to have a big house. God didn't call you to be a rich millionaire. And I don't mean, none of those things are bad. But when you begin to sacrifice your family and your children to be able to earn that house and to buy that house, when you begin to lie on certain things and you begin to sell things to other people that you know they can't afford, you're doing something to be able to create a safety and a future for you at the cost of other people. And there's no integrity in that. And hopefully my, my heart is that you would understand, man, I want you to work hard. We believe in this church. We believe in the prosperity gospel. We believe that God wants to give you everything that you want, your brand new house, brand new car, new shoes, thick gold chain. I mean, the one that just covers half of your neck. You want that right there? You can. God will give you that. It's, it's, three, it's four simple words, four simple letters. You ready? W-O-R-K. Go get a job. Save your money. Buy your house. Buy your car. Be smart with your finances. That's the prosperity gospel that God has given you, the strength, the energy, the creativity to be able to create wealth. I don't think this is something wrong, but you got to work. You got to have a job. You say, God, I want you to give me a brand new house. It, it might not come in the mail tomorrow. But if you work at it, you save your money, you do things the correct way. Instead of paying Netflix, Hulu, uh, Paranormal, whatever that thing, Paramount, and all of these different, you save your money. You know what I'm saying? And you, and you save and you take time and, and you do stuff and you're steward of what God has given you. You can go and you can purchase a house. You can purchase a car. You can do all of these things. So please understand, I'm not minimizing any of those things. I'm just saying, if you put others... And if you storm over the others and you kick them down and you break them down to be able to get to the top of the food chain, that's not what God called us to be. Because what happens is that then you fall into these lies in your identity. And there's three specific lies that you fall into every single person in this room. When you allow for the world to conform you, when you allow for the world to shape you, hurts and past that you haven't been able to process, that you protect, you start to create these things. And these things come in three different places or three different sizes. Number one, you become a people pleaser. And a people pleaser is saying, I want to make sure that everybody's good. You know those people? You are that person. When you have a, house, a party at your house, everything has to be good and everybody has to be good. I, I want to give you an exact definition of people pleasing. My value depends on if people like me or not. There's one side of it that is definitely people pleasing. That is, I, mean, I need to make sure that everybody likes me. Everybody has to, I'll do whatever, I'll bend my morals, I'll do whatever so that you can like me. And then there's the other side of the spectrum. The side of the spectrum that is still the same thing that says, I don't care if nobody likes me. I, nobody needs that. Like, I don't care who you are, who you're not. What happened is that you didn't deal with past hurts and you allowed for that to become your identity. And now so you're super people pleasing or you just don't care about anybody. None of them are healthy. It's not only people pleasing, but there's a performance lie. And the performance lie is that my value is dependent on how good I do. I, I, I read my Bible, God loves me. If I pray, God loves me. And, and listen, all these things are great and for you to do, but you don't do these things for God's love. You do these things from God's love. He already loves you. But I, I, 
I'm going to give at the church and I'm going to give all this money and I'm, and I'm going to give all this time and I'm going to give all this money and I'm going to do all of these things so God can love me. No, no, God already loved you. They, we fall into this pattern and we, we say it from the stage all the time. It, it happens when you sin, right? You sin, you do something against God and then all of a sudden you're like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself to a couple of y'all, but I want y'all to understand this. We sin against God and all of a sudden we're like, oh, I'm going to read five chapters of the Bible this week. Oh, I'm going to pray for real. This time I'm going to turn off all the devil music. I'm not listening to Drake. I'm not listening to nothing. No, no Guns and Roses, whatever you, you know, Garth Brooks, whatever floats your boat. I'm not listening to none of that devil music. I'm not calling them the devil. But I'm not listening. I'm only going to listen to Michael W. Smith today. And you know what I mean? And like the gospel Kanye. I'm only going to listen to the good stuff. You know what I'm saying? I'm, and, and it's like you try to build this stuff up. And that's a performance lie. At what point does God love you? He loves you. In Romans 10 verse 9, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you shall be saved. He loves you at that point. At that very moment, he loves you. You don't have to work for God's love. You work from God's love. But we create these, these performance. And it's a lie. Because you've met that person that stays way too late after work. And even when you're there, they're always trying to perform. They're always trying to, that's probably my biggest one, that I'm always trying to perform for your love and for your acceptance and for people and for my friends. And I'm always trying to like, yo, I one up. I got in a lot of trouble because of that performance lie because I allowed for that to become my identity. There's a people pleasing lie. There's a performance lie. But then there's a control lie. And what happens with the control lie is that to not be rejected, to not feel that pain, to not hold or, or be held accountable to those moments, then what we do is that sometimes we control people and we start to manipulate people to get them to a space where you love me. I'm going to make you love me in some type of way or another. I'm going to manipulate you. I'm going to gaslight you. Gaslight you means I, it's a problem, something that's wrong with me, but I'm going to make it seem like if it's you, you're the one that's wrong. And what we do is we try to do that and bring people around and we're, try, and we're super narcissistic. And these are all bad. You built your identity. What Jason was talking about, you built your life on a false identity. And we're sitting here and we're, we're standing on something that's false and it's fake. It's not you. You don't have to control people. We don't have to control outcomes. Well, you start to manipulate things so that you win. At work, we started creative because I don't want to feel this pain. I don't want to feel this rejection anymore. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to line this thing up so that at the end of it, when the last domino falls, I'm good. I feel good. Those are lies and you don't have to live under those lies. This is what the world has done to conform you into the image of the world. But this is not who you are. This is not who you were created to be. This is not who God made you to be. Don't be conformed by the patterns of this world. But then scripture says, I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This word transformed, it's a metamorphosis. And it's taking like a, a worm. Y'all remember like when, the, when we studied in, in, in I was going to say in scripture, we studied in school. Some of y'all skipped and you were smoking weed by the portables, but everybody else, we were, we were there. It was like a worm. It goes into a cocoon. And then when it goes into the cocoon, it stays there for a little while and it bats its wings and eventually it breaks out of the cocoon and it becomes a butterfly. Oh my God, it's the Illuminati. No, it's a worm that went through a metamorphosis. Here's what God is saying. Paul, through the scriptures in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he's saying, I want you to be transformed. I don't know if you're happy where you are. I don't know if you're excited where you are in your current life. And listen to me, we're all on a journey. The day after you die, when you take that last breath, a second after that, you're going to be a fully healthy human. At that moment, you're going to have it all figured out and all perfect. In the meantime, though, we're on a journey. But if you're in a space where you're like, yo, I just don't like who I am. There's things in my life that I want to shed, things in my life that I want to turn into a worm and I want to be able to soar, I want to fly. Scripture says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is where it all starts. This right here, this thing gets you in more trouble than anybody else. You blaming politicians? You need to blame this thing right here. It, my, the, my, the color of my skin? This thing right here. This thing right here is a, it, it, boy, this thing right here has lied to you more than anybody else. This thing right here has got you in so much trouble. This thing right here has told you to do things that you have done, and then you sit back and you're like, yo, why the heck did I listen to you? I said I wasn't gonna listen to you the last time. This thing, this is where all the battles start. This is where all your failures begin. This is, this is where all your successes begin as well. But every single day, there's a battle here. For some of us, that battle begins the moment that we take a breath. I don't want to move. I don't want to live. I don't want to go another step. And we fight, and it's this thing right here. Scripture is actually saying that we can renew this thing right here. That we can actually take it and think about this idea of something being dirty and, and being just really bad and just a, a big a, a, a ball of just dirt. 
and that you can actually grab water and that you can grab something and that you can begin to wash it and that you can clean it up. Some of y'all, you, you have cousins, you have husbands, uh, you have uh, co-workers that you see them and they rough. You know what I mean? Like they haven't been to the barber since 1968. You know what I mean? And they're just, just rough. You know what I mean? Just looking and then just, y'all ever seen on a Tic Tac? You know what I mean? Those makeover things on Tic Tac. You see those makeovers? Someone was like, what is that? On MySpace. You see these makeovers with these, oh, these men. I saw one that the guy, it looked horrible and he was just a mess. His hair was knotted up homeless, dude. I mean, just absolutely just real scruffy. His clothes just looked a mess and they took him and they spent thousands of dollars. They got him a haircut. I mean, the dude looked like the most interesting. He looked kind of like John Ramon. Monday like good you know what I mean like his beard was perfect and I mean just his hair was and then they gave him this cloth they gave him a cane because he was he was homeless but he was also handicapped they gave him this cane the cane just made him look like he got money like it was like oh you different you know what I mean like you look good transformed this man's entire life it was a haircut it was some exterior things scripture is saying that you no longer have to live as a people pleaser that you no longer have to live performing for everybody else. That you don't have to control everything. That you don't have to have these walls up to protect yourself, but that you can process through these things. That you don't have to deny them. That you don't have to hide them. That you don't have to amplify them, but that you can actually live a healthy life. And it's through the renewing of your mind. Somebody say, how do you renew your mind, Chino? For all four of y'all that asked me that, I want, to, uh, I want you to write these two things down and we're going to get out of here and get you to some food. Um, number one is that you have to have self-awareness. Number one is that you have to have self-awareness. Self-awareness is this moment that you begin to think to yourself, and I'm trying to teach my kids that children are the most, are the hardest. I don't see Levi here so I can talk about him. Uh, children are the hardest, man, to try to get them to like, to transform and to renew their mind because what I'm trying to teach them is like, yo, Think for a second, why did you do that? So I'm not, I don't, you did it. Yo, we, we forgive you. We're a family. That's fine. But just think, what made you do that? So like he'll walk by, my daughter does this too. As cute as you see her up there, sometimes I don't know if she's saved. But my daughter, my daughter will walk by the boys. And some of y'all, if you have older children and there's a gap, you, you'll see this. My daughter walks by the boys and just slap them. Bah! And then she'll run. And she'll come to my, Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. My boys, the boys are hitting, they're being mean to me. Ah! And I'm like, Oh, I'm about to kill somebody for my daughter. I'm like, bro, what's up? I take my shirt off. You know what I mean? I'm like, what's up? And when I go to the boys, I'm like, bro, what'd you do? And they're like, dad, listen, stop. My son's a lawyer, bro. I promise you. You guys, my wife. So, dad, listen, stop. I was sitting here watching TV. I didn't do anything to her. And she's crying bloody murder. Ah! He got it! And I'm like, shut up. Stop. I'm like, what happened? Dad, she just walked by me and she slapped me for apparently no reason. I'm like, bro, Abby, did you do that? I'm like, stop crying. Did you do that? I did, but it was because he was telling me. I said, what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> so what I try to teach is like, yo, stop for a second. What made you walk by your brother? And what was that feeling that made you just say, pop, I'm going to just hit you. <laughs> Self-awareness is when you begin to ask yourself some questions. When people say things to you and you start to think to yourself, yo, that person just said that. Why did that make me mad? Why did that? Why did I just think in my mind like this person's an idiot? This person's going to lie to me. This person's going to steal from me. Understand that there's discernment that God has given you. And there is a gift that you can actually, that the Holy Spirit gives you. But there's actually discernment where you can see through people's BS. But there's other times that they ain't say nothing to you but you just feel anger. It's like, man, why am, why am I thinking this way? There are things that can happen where somebody offers you an opportunity and the opportunity is in front of you and you're just like, this is what you've been praying for, what you've been asking for, but all of a sudden you begin to think, this ain't gonna last. This, this is fake. This is not gonna last. Well, hold on. Self-awareness begins to say, yo, why did I just think that was fake? When somebody comes and says, hey man, I wanna take you out, you and your wife, I wanna take you out to dinner. I just wanna hang out and get to know you. Ooh, they're trying to sell me Herbalife. What's going on there? I don't know. I, I don't, why do they wanna talk to me? I don't know. Why you? Hold on. But just think to yourself, why am I, why am I thinking that way? What, what created that in me that makes me think that way? But then you also got to think, why, why did I just say that? Because for some of us, something happens and we flip off the mouth real quick. Or we'll discredit ourselves and say, oh, I can't do that. Or I'm going to mess that up. Or, and we allow for this tongue right here to create the most heinous things that 
has never happened, but we create it with our tongue. And we begin to say things and we think to yourself, self-awareness says, yo, why did I just say that? What, what, just, what just made me say that to that person? And then you got to think to yourself, why did I, why did I do that? Self-awareness, something happened to me and I'm like, I get frustrated, I'm mad and, and, and maybe I might just stand there and look at the hole on my wall and say, man, why did I just punch that wall? Why, why did I just throw my phone across the hall? Why did I just get so mad that I threw, what did they say to create that, that I just got that mad that I did that? Why did I just tell my boss for the 14th time at another job, you could take this job and you can place it where the sun don't shine? Why, what happened? What did they do? Did I, did I, did I, did I, did I uh, self-destruct? Did I say, hey man, I know he's going to fire me. So before he ever fires me, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to step out this thing. You can take this job and you can do, I don't need this and I quit. And before you ever got to a place where reconciliation can happen, where the boss can probably say to you, your husband, your wife can say to you, hey, babe, here's an issue that's happening. Let's work on this. I'm going I'm to I'm no, sabotage this whole thing. I'm going to tear it all down. What happens if you actually say, hold on, explain to me. What do you think I did wrong? Well, here's where I think you did wrong. Dang, is that me? Self-awareness. Is that something that I do? Is, is this something? Is this a mechanism? Have I allowed for the enemy and the world to conform me in such a way that now that's just the way I am? No, that's not the way that you are. That's not how God created you. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. For those of you that have called on the name of Jesus, love, joy, peace, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, these things live inside of you. You are not that person. You don't have to be that person, but we've allowed for the enemy to conform us. We've allowed for the world to conform us. But when we begin to renew this thing, and it takes work, y'all, Oh, Tino, you got it all figured out. Ask my wife. <laughs> Ask my friends. <laughs> no, I don't got it all figured out. But man, I sure think about these things. Sometimes quicker than others. But, but I'm trying to figure them out. Because I want to get to a point that I understand, yo, why did I do this? Self-awareness, number one. Number two is that you have to wash in the word. Wash in the word. For so long... Uh, I, my daughter said that I watched this show. Uh, she said my favorite show. I don't even, I think it's my favorite show now. I don't have a favorite show. I whatever watch it. It's a show called Manifest. Don't say nothing. I'm on season two. Don't talk. Um, I hate, I don't watch trailers. It, the, my friends know. They're like, yo, don't talk about anything in front of Chino. I hate it because I don't watch trailers because trailers show you the entire movie. If you watch a trailer after you've seen the movie, you're like, yo, that's the part. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you show that to me at the beginning? So I hate, I don't, I don't like, don't ruin anything for me. I hate people that talk in the movies. Don't ask, hey, but babe, well, why did that happen? Watch it. The writers get paid a lot of money to write it. They're going to show you the whole plot. You don't have to because then somebody else is like, oh, girl, let me explain to you. This is what happened. He killed her. I think that... I think in this show, they have, they have a quote, and it made me think because they said, uh, you shall believe, and the quote is, I'm going to show it up on scripture, eight, John chapter 8, verse 32. And I think all of us know this. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? And so what has happened is that we've created this, this world where when we know the truth, the truth shall set us free. Right? Is that, is that not it? Is that not it? When we know the truth, then you will know the truth, so the truth, once we understand it, that's what sets us free. And in reality, it's not the complete truth. That's only half of the, of, the, of, the, of the subject. Actually, this right here, it can create so much pain and hurt because you will begin to think to yourself, once I know something, then I'm going to be free indeed and I'm going to be set free. And you begin to think to yourself, I know this. God, why isn't this happening if I know this? I know it. I understand it. Like, I get it. Why am I not being set free? I understand it. That's not the full subject. That's not the full verse. That is not the context of it, but it sells t-shirts. It looks good on your, on your bracelet. It looks good on your Instagram post or your Twitter feed. It looks good on your MySpace profile. It looks amazing, but there's a lot more to it, uh, at least a little bit more to it. I want to show you verse 31 and verse 32 says to the Jews who have believed him Jesus said here's where it is you ready if you hold my teachings you are really my disciples then you will know the truth so holding on to God's teachings creates disciples then you know the truth and then the truth will make you free 
So holding on to the teachings, what does that mean, Chino? That means things like this, like a performance lie, right? So how do you combat people-pleasing performance lie? How do you combat the, the controlling issues or the controlling people and outcomes? How do you do that? Well, number one is that you have to understand and you have to hold to the teachings. Holding to the teachings is not that I just read it and I know about it, but that I actually cling to it. Now I'm holding on to it. For some of us in this place, there are certain issues, there are certain things in our own personal life that we deal with and things that we're trying to figure out in our own life that we don't even know how am I going to deal with this I keep struggling with this I have one week that I'm good and then I have two weeks that I'm bad I have a month that I don't do it and then all of a sudden it comes back and it's just like and I didn't I was so good and I was calm but then all of a sudden I lost my cool and, and I mean you're just going back and forth going back and forth and we're like struggling in this craziness you got to hold on to the teachings if I if I hold on to the teachings right so it's God's teachings if, if I hold on to these teachings it's hard for me to carry depression. It's hard for me to carry anxiety. It's hard for me to carry rejection. I'm holding on to the teaching. Throw something at me. I'm not going to be able to catch it. I'm not going to be able to hold it. That's why scripture says, let go of the weight that so easily besets you. Let it go. Cast your cares upon me for I care for you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you hold on to me, I, I, it just, I don't have room to be able to carry everything else. But I got I to gotta hold on to the teachings. I want to show you something because the performance lie. I have to do something. I have to do something. My value is dependent on how good I do. And if I do good, then I'm good. But if I do bad, then I'm bad. And, and this has been shaped in so many different ways because we came home and your dad was like, you should have got a, a A. You got a B. And you're like, but I, I got a B. And as a child, you don't know how to distinguish that. You don't have self-awareness. You can't be like, no, you think... I got to get an A. I'm, I'm playing baseball. Man, I got a, I got a double. Or I got a single. Bam, hit the ball for some of us to understand. Right up the middle. Boom, and I get to first base. And I'm on first base, and I'm like, Dad, did you see that? He's like, you should have ran a second. You should have gone. The more that that happens, the more that starts beginning. Now when you get to first base, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. But you've allowed for this performance lie to come in and live so much inside of you that you're like, man, I should have been over there. I know I got a house, but man, I could have got a bigger house. I know I got a car, but I should have got a better car. Man, I should have had more. I, I'm 26 years old, and man, I should have a house, a car, married with four different kids. And the people who are in their 40s are like, bro, shut up. <laughs> you shut up. Enjoy your life. You can wake up at 12 in the afternoon. And all the parents said, hey, man, when's the last time you woke up at 12? But, but what happens is that we, we have this performance lie and we're trying to perform not understanding that we're in a good space because it's a lie that we haven't been able to process. How do you hold on to the teachings? I want to show you this. It's a simple, a, a simple example. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. You ready? But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we're trying to build this big monument to God. Lord, look at how much I've done. Look at how much I've given. Look at how many people I've served because we haven't processed the fact that we were rejected because we didn't do good enough. And so now we're trying to bring that to God and we're creating this whole deal when in reality God says, yo, while you were still a sinner, you were at your worst, I was at my best. You cannot earn me and I went ahead and sent my son to die for you. I took the step already. That in context begins to tell me Yo, my value is dependent on the sacrifice of Jesus. I'm good with God. My wife might turn around and hate me and, and leave me and my children might leave me. But God is never going to leave me. My parents, my friends, they might say, man, I don't want nothing to do with you. But God, yo, can I, let, me, let me take this legions into the sea. How many of you, I want you to raise your hand. How many of you remember your fourth great grandparent? Fourth. Just waiting for a hand. Nobody? Okay. Fourth, great, all the way up there. Unfortunately, neither will they remember you. I think eventually your children's children and their children's children and grandchildren, all the way down the line. We worry about people that ain't gonna remember us. How many of you remember that employee when you were young, some of our, our younger people, when you first got that first job and that one person used to get on your nerves? Or when you were in school, some of y'all remember, some of y'all remember the bullies. Y'all still remember the bullies. 
but there's going to come a time where all of that stuff, we're, we're placing so much emphasis and so much thought and so much desire and performance on people that are never going to remember you. Can I tell you the truth? Four generations from now, as a great, 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 great grandparent, Jesus is still going to know you. He's still going to love you. You're going to be in his arms. I mean, we're going to spend all eternity with him. He's going to know you. He knew you before you. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you, I knew you. Before I ever clothed you with any type of flesh, before I put veins or bones inside of you, I knew who you were. And way after everybody forgets you, I'm still going to know you. I love you and I'm still going to love you with the very same love that I have for you right now. Yo, that's huge. That means to me that when I was bad, I was throwing two middle fingers up to God. And he was still saying, I love you, son. I'm going to die. I died for you. I want to give you everything. I want to wrap my arms around you. I love you. Here's what it happens. When I wrap my arms around that teaching, I'm not performing in front of anybody. I'm not, I, I care about you and I love you, but I'm not going to dictate the way that I live so that I can perform in front of you so that you can be like, hey, I like you. You're going to reject me regardless. But I'm not going to go on the other side where I'm going to say, well, screw you. I don't care about you anyway. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not going to perform for you. I don't have nothing to do with you. No, the opposite. I'm going to allow for my identity of love, my identity that's found in Jesus. I'm going to love you. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to have fun with you. But I'm not going to allow myself to perform and to get to this level where my acceptance, where I lay my head on the pillow and I think I did a good job with that person or I didn't do a good job with that person. I'm a bit of a hypocrite <laughs> because this is the one that I struggle with. Because there's times that I get off this stage and I'm like, man, did I even make sense? What, what just happened with people? And there's people that have come and, and people who have left. Man, the messages, they, they need to go deep, man. I need to, I need to get in there and I want, I want to mine out stuff. And I feel like you should go into, you go into the Greek and the Hebrew and all of this. And then I have another set of people that are like, man, pastor, you went too deep. Like, give it to me up here. Like, I just want layman's term. And you're like, bro, what the heck, bro? Like, what do I do? You know what I do? I hold on to the teachings and I understand that success is not defined by results. Success is defined by obedience. I'm obedience to God. I know the call that he's placed on my life and I'm going to walk this way and I'm going to do as best as I can. Where the chips fall, let them fall. Let them fall. Because at the end of the day, they're going to dip and they're going to go to First Missionary Baptist and Pentecostal Christ Church and they're going to talk bad about me just like they talk bad about the other pastor. <laughs> Jessica, can you please come up and make us spiritual right now? Because we've got real secular and fleshly. <laughs> we don't got in the flesh. Hey, uh, yesterday, oh, I'm sorry, on, on Saturday, it was uh, my nephew's birthday. Uh, Jason's son that was on the screen, the one with the Miami Heat hand, Miami Heat hat on. He had it backwards, but it's a Miami Heat hat, just in case you were wondering. Um, we were hanging out with him, and we, we ended up going to a, we ended up going to a, to Whitewater, Rat, Whitewater Park, whatever, the, the, the swimming park. I just noticed that I hadn't been there in about four years. <laughs> I remember when we first got here, we had passes. We would go every single day. It was fun. And I just, whatever, we were there. And we went on this slide. It's called the Dragon Tail. I don't know if, you, if you've been there or you've seen it. And so basically the Dragon Tail is probably, I don't know, maybe 50 feet in air, maybe a little bit more. And basically what it is, is just a, a slides. And they just kind of go like this all the way to the bottom. And it's super fun. Um, or so I thought. And so I'm, I'm like... I'm like, ah, you know, we'll go on there. And I'm, the whole time, Abby's freaking out because she's walking and she's walking higher and higher. And she's looking down and she's like, Papi, I don't know. Papi, I don't know. She's seven years old. You know what I'm saying? She's eight years old in 16 days. Um, I hear it every day. And so, I, I'm, and so we're walking up and we get to the, to the top of this thing and she's freaking out. She's like, I, I dad, I can't, dad, I, dad. I'm going, I'm going to drown at the bottom. It's not even the slide. It's the, when I fall in, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to drown. Puppy, I don't want to do this. I don't want it. And I'm like, listen to me. I'm being such a great dad. I'm like, I don't want to walk back down there, baby. You're fine. You know what I'm saying? I care about my daughter's health so much. Said, You're fine, babe. Don't worry about it. You're good. And, and, she, and, I'm, and she's like, no, puppy. And then she goes to the attendant, bro. My daughter's going to be like, uh, she has social justice. She has, she has a prophetic gift over her life that's ridiculous. She says, I love you, dad. But ma'am, excuse me. I'm sorry. How high is the water? Is it like here? Is it like here? Like, where is it? And the girl's like, no, it's like up to my waist. And Abby's like, where? where? She's like, okay. She felt a little better. She was like, ah, that, that's what scripture does to you, by the way. It, it creates this peace. It's like, oh, if, well, if God said it, faith, remember? If God says it, I have to believe it. Because if you read it, but you don't have faith, it doesn't really mean anything to you. You're still like, the water's going to be up here. But if scripture says the water's here, you'll be fine. 
something happens where you believe it and you cling to it. Well, my daughter cling to it and she was just like, all right, cool. Whatever that lady said, that was a word from a woman, not a word from God. That's a whole nother story. She gets in and she sits there and then, you know, me and her, she's on one side and I'm on the other side and we go and we like, and we hit ourselves and, and, and we, we, we swing down. And so we swing down. Yo, <laughs> I think I was a little bit heavier than when I went the last time. <laughs> because I was like, I'm going to go fast. And bro, I hit the first one and it was decent. I hit the second one and I was like, okay. I hit the third one and I got up off in the air a little bit. I hit the last one and bro, I flew in the air. <laughs> So bad that I closed my eyes because I was like, yo, I'm going to hit this. And my wrist still hurts because I landed. There were people at the bottom that were watching. They were like, oh, it was bad. It was bad. You could ask my kids. It was pretty bad. Well, little did I know that Abby was on the other side and Abby went in the air and was standing up. Literally, she went and she was like, like this. And then she like, boom, landed and then went down. And so when I come off, you know, I cut the water. It was like Moses with the Red Sea. Big guy coming through. Pew, you know what I mean? The water just went pew. And so I get there and my mind is thinking the whole time on Abby. And when I, when I come out of the water, I just hear her screaming. Ah, bloody murder. I mean, just screaming. So I'm like, I swim up to her. She's like drowning like, ah. And I grab her. And bro, I cannot calm her down. You, my daughter was the one with the curly hair. For some of you that are new, my daughter's a little bit lighter than me. I stayed in my mama's belly a little bit longer than she did. So when a little baby girl is screaming like that, and an individual who looks like me grabs her, I was a little nervous. Like, my daughter, hey, daughter of mine. I'm not stealing her. This is mine. And I'm like, I'm grabbing her, and I'm like trying to com comfort her. And the whole time I'm trying to comfort her, she's just going crazy. She's just screaming. She's like, you lied. It was so deep. Yeah, I'm going to die. You did it. Whatever. And so whatever. The, the, the family, we keep going. We go different rides or whatever. And we come back. And then I'm like, yo, we're going on that ride one more time. And Abby was like, bro, I mean, imagine in the middle of Six Flags, white water. And this little girl's like screaming at the top of her lungs. And I'm like, yo, stop. Just stop. I'm like, Abby, I'm going to punish you. I swear you're never going to have a birthday for the rest of your life. I'm trying to, I'm trying to threaten her with everything. Like everything. I'm trying to like, oh, I'm going to make your life miserable. Because I'm embarrassed. I'm like this little girl screaming in the middle of this thing. I'm like, this random dude is trying to steal this girl. So I brought my other son who's light skin color as well. And I'm like, yo, grab her. So people don't think, you know what I mean? <laughs> I said, go to the bathroom. <laughs> And she goes, some of y'all caught that. It's been a while. But she goes in and she goes in. She comes back and then we're, we're going on this ride. And I remember I went up to the ride and I'm like, Abby, you have to come. And she's like, I'm not going, dad. I almost died. I'm not doing this. It's too deep. It's, I'm going to drown. I said, all right, we're going to go all the way to the top. One of the boys is going to go down first. At that point, you're going to walk downstairs and you're going to meet them downstairs. I understand it. I try to force my kids to do really bad stuff so they learn. But then sometimes, you know, you just got to kind of let them be. And so my daughter goes down there, whatever, boom, I do the whole thing. Everybody, oh, Levi, how did everybody scream when I, when I jumped in the air? Yeah, it was pretty bad. And so I'm like, for those of you that are online didn't hear that, he said bad. And so I'm <laughs> getting in the air, I go in the water, everything. And then when I get to the bottom, I tell the lifeguard, hey, I'm sorry, sir, excuse me. Hey, is it cool? Can I show my daughter something? Can she come in the water? He's like, no, no, no. I'm like, listen, bro, can I show my daughter something? <laughs> He's like, I guess I gave him the, the pastor tone. It was the anointing that he recognized. And so, he, and so he's like, make it quick. And I'm like, cool. And I, I grab my daughter. And now she's crying. I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm like, listen to me, Abby. I want to show you something. Just listen to me. And I remember that I grab her and I bring her and I'm holding her up. <laughs> and I go to the middle and I'm like, Abby, watch this. And I put her down. And bro, she's like up to here on the water. And I'm like, Abby, I told you that you were tall enough. You're freaking out. All you had to do was just stop for a second and just stand up. When we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, when we talk about living a righteous life, husbands, men, when we talk about you being a father, for some of us, men, society has castrated you in so many different ways. And they've put you in spaces where they don't make you the man. The man in a household, you are no longer that. They have, they have put you and marginalized you in such a way that you're like, man, I'm not like that man. And I don't have the money to that man. And I don't have the, I can't do what he did. And what happens is that we think that we're drowning and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. And I'm telling you, men, stand up. Wife, I'm telling you the same thing. You are the mother for the job. You are the wife for that. You are the employee that's going to change that business. You are 
are the boss that God chose to be to create that business. You just have to understand, just stand up, stand up. You're not head over water. Your water's actually by your chin and you have what God and what God has put inside of you. You have what it takes. You gotta understand it and believe it, but you have to understand that it's by faith. By faith means get in the water. And when you get in the water, I know you're gonna freak out and you're gonna panic. Just stand up in the middle of that. When we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, for some of us, it's like, yeah, that's for Chino. And that's for the anointed people on stage and, and for the men and the seasoned saints. If you ain't got no white hair, you can't do none of these things. That's a lie from the enemy. Scripture said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, verse 7, that the gifts are given to each one, to everyone, for the edification of the church, of the body, that every single one of us, we can. And some of y'all, a couple of Sundays ago, we had 20 plus healings in this place. Individuals that said, I have a pain level, like my arm hurts, and it's like a, out of one to 10, it's about a seven, six, five. And then we prayed. It wasn't the man of God. I didn't come up here and pray. We even brought a person that was up here that, that had been saved the shortest amount of time of everybody. And all we did was say, let's just believe God. And then they said, my pain level went on the way to a zero. Can I ask a question? How many of you was that? Can you raise your hand real quick? If you were here, you, you had it a couple. Yeah, see y'all. Look, see some of the hands that went there. I had conversations with individuals even after that that told me, man, I, I didn't believe that junk was real. I had one guy that stood right here in this corner right here. And he said, I just want to see it. I just want to see if it's true and just sat there and watched and then said, you know what? I'm going to go up to pray. And I'm not telling you the name because I want them to give you the testimony. He came up and I, I want to go pray. And when they went to pray, the thing that they prayed about got immediately healed, but then something that they didn't pray about got immediately healed as well. And God was like, you want to know if it's true? It's true. Can I tell you that this is available to all of us? Number one, you have to believe it by faith. But number two, you have to understand that you are a child of God, that that belongs to you. You are a child of God. My favorite scripture, I'm going to beat you to death with it for the rest of the time that I preach as a preacher. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21. For he made he, him, who knew no sin, be sin for us, that we may become metamorphosis, transformation. Jesus became sin so that you can become Jesus. That's heresy, Chino. No, 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 that's Bible. You can become righteousness in Jesus. We're in the body of Jesus Christ. We belong to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16, don't you know that you are the temple of the living God and that the Holy Spirit resides inside of you? We are one with him. You are the righteousness of God. Whenever you're tempted by sin, look at yourself in the mirror and says, he who knew no sin became every sin that I'm about to do, every sin that I'm not going to do in the name of Jesus, because I am the righteousness of God. I don't have to be the sin. I don't have to lie. I don't have to cheat. I don't have to watch pornography. I don't have to drown myself in another bottle of liquor. I don't have to do this anymore. I am the righteousness of God. Something changes when you understand your identity, when you understand who you are, whose you are, how you were created, what God put inside of you. You no longer believe in the lies of the enemy you no longer believe in the lies that you tell yourself because you understand I'm the righteousness of God I am a child of God I'm no longer my past I'm no longer what happened yesterday I'm no longer what happened in the parking lot before you walked into the church I didn't see you <laughs> I didn't see you They're like oh my god he saw me I knew it no I didn't see you you are the righteousness of God man that changes the game for you man that helps you to walk in a different type of authority Spiritual authority, it's rooted in your identity. From your identity, everything will grow out. Ne next week, I'm going to talk about this idea of expansion and intimacy and how you lean in with God and how God begins to expand your spiritual authority. And it's, I mean, just beautiful. I'm going to show you some examples. It's going to be amazing. But I want you to understand that your identity, it's, it's rooted in Christ. But your identity, from that identity, is where you can begin to step out and understand like, God did give me this word for my coworker. God did call me to start this ministry. God did tell me to plant this church. I'm not talking about Chino, I'm talking about you. And we'll come alongside of you. We'll resource you in whatever way we can so that you can do what God called you to do. God called me to start this Bible study. God called me to have this, this ministry. God called me to start this business. God called me to be faithful in this marriage. God called me to make sure that I stand as a father in this family. You are the righteousness of God. You got to be rooted in your identity and understand who you are. I know the enemy is trying to lie to you, 
And I know media and trends and cultures and whatever month it is, it's trying to make you think that you're something that you're not. You are the child of God. You are the righteousness of God. Do not allow for the enemy, the world, to conform you to their patterns. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Tell your mind to go to hell. Oh, he cussed in church. No, tell it to actually go down to the pit of hell. Every single thought, every demonic, I cast it down to the pits of hell. It no longer can live and reside inside of here. It has to go down from whence it came from. You have to find yourself in a space where you're self-aware. I'm not going to think that way anywhere and, then, and anymore. And then you got to get to a point where you understand that you root yourself in the word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. I'm going the right way. I'm not living in the darkness anymore because I am the righteousness of God. For some of us who are in this room, it's hard for us to understand that because we haven't got to the place where we've opened up our heart to Jesus and gave our life to Jesus. And so we're still living in this dark space and we're still living in this place where we're people pleasers and where we're performing, trying to get everybody to like us and where we're controlling every outcome and every scenario and you go on vacation and you got the whole thing planned and the moment that one thing gets out of you, lose your crap and you go crazy just because we couldn't go see that site and it's like, oh my God, and you try to control everything and God wants to bring freedom to you today. For some of us in here, it starts with us accepting Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. And then for some of us, it just takes renewing our mind. I want to speak to those that have not accepted Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior. This church, as long as I'm holding this microphone or anybody that we, I tell to come on this platform, they're always going to present the gospel. And then they're going to be able to point it right back to Jesus and give you a space for you to accept him as your personal Lord and Savior. Because everything that we do, it's all about you encountering Jesus for you to know God. Then we're going to help you to find freedom, discover your purpose, what were you created for, and then go out and make a difference wherever that is. But it begins with you knowing God. So in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And if you're here and you're saying, Chino, I need to get this thing right, whether it's my first time giving my life to Jesus or it's my first time in a long time reconciling and coming back to Jesus because, man, I've backslidden. I've done my thing my way. Today, I'm going to ask you in just a moment to bow your head. You're going to raise your hand. And I just want to see who I'm praying for. When you pray, when you raise your hand, I'm going to lead everybody here in a prayer. And that prayer doesn't save you. I'm just giving you some words to be able to give to God. Because scripture says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9, if you confess with your mouth, that's called prayer. And you believe in your heart, that's the faith that you have. I don't have faith for you. I, I can have a little bit and stir you up. But I'm telling you, that faith is what's inside of you. Not her playing the piano really lightly. It's not me yelling, screaming, emotional roller coaster. That's faith. That's the Holy Spirit that draws all men unto repentance. That's what's inside of you. I'm just giving you some words to be able to give to your maker, to give to Jesus. So all over this place, would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. And we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us,